Hello and welcome to Speak Female, a podcast for ambitious and career-driven women. Speak Female means changing the meaning around words and phrases that are associated with women, or in fact have a negative association. It is about how we can and will edit the narrative to build a more understanding, diverse and balanced world and of course workplace. In every other episode, I interview an inspirational individual around an array of subjects, from financial independence, being an entrepreneur and women in tech, to transitioning career, female empowerment and mental health. Hello and welcome back to Speak Female. My name is Lucy Grimwade and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Tasha Morrison. Tasha is a female in tech and she has an extraordinary story. I met Tasha via a manager of ours. Tasha used to work with him. I used to work with him. He introduced us, thought that we'd be a good contact for each other. And he was so right. And Tasha and I have become good friends and we talk on a regular basis. So Tasha, thank you so much for joining me today. So Tasha, can we start with talking around your kind of job that you do now because you have just finished your two-year graduate scheme and you've just stepped into a solution architect role. Yes that's right it's quite overwhelming actually already because uh, solution architecture normally is something you don't get into for five to ten years of work experience so being two years out of uni um, I'm very lucky that I've had the support that I've had uh, at Whitbread and Also, I feel like I've been very proactive in helping me achieve this goal of mine. For people that are listening now, what is a solution architect? So a solution architect is brought on um, within a business or IT project and mainly focuses on technology changes. So, for example, at the moment, we want to revisit our contact centre and look at how we can enhance our technology to make it more efficient, um, better for our own staff and better for our customers. So I've been brought in to look at what we currently have, look at what technology is out there, and then I will design several options and present them. It's really fun because never, it's never the same each day. It's always different stakeholders, different projects. Um, and that, that's one thing that I really wanted out of a career is just not doing the same thing every day. That's fantastic. And so leading up to the role that you're in now, you spent two years at Whitbread on uh, the graduate scheme. Can you talk us through what different roles that you had done, what time periods they were, what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it? Give us like a real insight to what a graduate scheme is really like. Oh, okay. So I think actually I'll start it off from when I was on placement at GSK um, as part of my uni degree. So I was a business analyst and project manager at GSK and I really liked those roles, but I personally didn't feel like it was technical enough. And when I was there, I saw graduates coming through and a lot of people would be like, oh, I don't want to work with them. Oh, I've got to train another one up every six months. And I didn't want to be that person when I graduated coming into an atmosphere where they didn't really want me there. So I tried to, in my final year, I tried to look for graduate schemes that were a little smaller, a bit more tailored um, to the individual. And I knew what roles I did want to go into, although I didn't actually know what solution architecture was then. Um, then I saw that the Whitbread one came up 
and at the time they owned Costa um, which we then sold um, which I was I got to work on a little bit as well so that was really amazing to see a sale of a massive brand in the first six months of me out of you wow. out of uni was just really good experience great experience yeah it was really good um so I for my when I started at Whitbread we had a couple of weeks like introduction then I went straight into architecture and I was paired with such a good manager really good he completely understood the way I like to be managed I I, he could give me a task and trust that I would go away and do it and bring it back and I really liked that not micromanaging kind of aspect it was so he's really good and he's still with the company and I'm still very close with him to, to this day. So I did six months in architecture. Then I moved into service introduction for three months, which was really good. Yeah, definitely a bit of your background there. Yeah, absolutely. My background for those that uh, Tasha and I are seeing each other at the moment, I just did a fist pump in the air because <laughs> service instruction, service management is my game. <laughs> It was really good and it was on this massive program of work so um, although it was within Whitbread I got to um, experience what a large program of work would be so that was really good. Um, Then I moved back into architecture for a couple of months because we had a bit of a reorg um, so they went back in and I got to work on the international architecture pieces so got to go to Germany a few times because Premier Inn is going um, well it's already expanded into Germany and that was really interesting I got to learn so much more about the culture and how the processes are different in different countries then after that I moved into six months of information security that I found the most fascinating six months Um, really close to the CISO he um, has then sponsored me throughout the graduate scheme so that was really good and I'm still going to meet up with him now that I'm off the scheme Um, got to experience a lot of threat intelligence security incidents and then how we do supplier assurance so it was that was really beneficial to me coming back into architecture then when COVID hit I was meant to do a couple of other rotations but I actually got brought back into architecture by the the new head of architecture and he was like no you're you're not leaving (laughs) the area now and um been there ever since but I think it's really beneficial to have those little experiences going around different areas because I can see my work has approved completely through doing that yeah and I, I absolutely loved when I first met you and you talked to me through your placement experience and obviously doing the graduate scheme and where you are now I think it's a really good success story um I actually think it's more than the fact that obviously you're very capable you can do the job but actually something about it as well is I think you're really good with people and that you've networked around you know I think you build contacts like you and I have met and we've kept in contact and you've made it very easy for me to keep in contact with you so say there's somebody at the moment that's thinking about doing maybe a placement or going into a graduate scheme what kind of advice do you think you'd give to that person I think the main piece of advice is to be brave to reach out to people um people really like talking about themselves and that's what I've really noticed um not in a bad way in in a good way and you can learn so much from other people's careers 
So every time I meet with someone, I'll, you know, ask them, like, how did you get to where you are? Because you can learn not tricks, but kind of how they've done bits. And it's, it's amazing what you pick up and what you can take forward. Um, and don't be afraid to reach out to people on LinkedIn. You know, I message people um, at Gartner sometimes who are really important in our industry and just say, oh, what would your thoughts be on this? I hope you don't mind uh, me reaching out, um, you know, do it in a polite way and um, see where you can get. And people will remember that. Um, and that's what I found. I also, another piece of advice would be to listen to what people are saying and then make sure that when you're in a later conversation, relay some bits that they've said to you back. Because that really reminds people that, oh, you were actually listening and you were taking on board what they were saying. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love that advice that you've given there. And actually, I think just for life in general, not just if you're <laughs> yeah. going to go into a graduate scheme, exactly everything that you've said there for your business networking career, 100%, you know, what you've just said there about relaying back information to people, reaching out to people and kind of being brave and obviously being polite but being brave enough to go hey I have this idea can I just run this by you because people do do like to help so Tasha I just want to go back a little bit further of when you were at school and going into university because what did you do your degree in so I did business computing great and when you were picking your degree what made you choose that specifically that's a really interesting question because (laughs) I am not a typical computer student um, really so when I was back at school I loved doing GCSEs uh, in IT I actually did I got three qualifications in ICT at GCSE just because I found it so natural but I never really thought about it as a career at that point but I was convinced to do it at A level just because they were like oh well you've done so well at GCSE and you're gonna need it in any job you go for going forward so I was like oh right yeah no I'll do it then um for my A-levels I did art history English literature and ICT and they didn't have coding or computing at at all back in when I was back in when I was at school sounds like (laughs) I'm really old it was like seven years ago now um uh so I'm gonna have like a quarter life crisis now <laughs> this is it. Um, but I was really interested I was always really good at English throughout school but I just didn't find it challenging enough and I'm the sort of person who really needs a challenge to keep it interesting mm-hmm. um, so I was debating it and I went to some taster days they're really good to look out for if if you that was another piece of advice. I'd definitely look out for taste days, ask to go and sit in some classes at universities just to get a feel for it. And I went for a history taster session at UCL and then a computing taster session at Brunel University. And when I went there to Brunel, that was when I was like, this is what I want to do. It was so engaging. I met the head of computer science who I'm still in really good contact with now. Um, And yeah, from then I was like, you know, I definitely want to go into computing as well as the job aspect. I think I'm quite a realistic person of what jobs were out there, even from quite an early age. And um, I'd also grown up with not loads of money because 
um, my mum worked from home, but also wasn't very well. So she wasn't able to work loads. And my dad, because of having to care for my mum, kind of flitted between jobs. So I knew that I never wanted to be in the same financial position as them. So I wanted to do something that had a bit more prospect for it. So, yeah, and then I went went to Brunel University and that that was that was it. And the school was so happy to have a girl going to do a computing degree. <laughs> I was very nervous because I hadn't coded up to that point because they didn't have it at school. I think the education system really needs to pick up. Yeah, I'm just going to pick up on something you just said then. I think lots of people can resonate with almost seeing how your parents have been and how you want to... I say it like this, but I don't mean it to be as um, negative as how I'm saying it, but to kind of be better and go and be better. And you've seen how other people live their lives and you want a better future for yourself. And I really like that about you. So thank you for sharing that. And I also find it so funny as well, because I also did a degree in computing. And I don't know about you, but when I first went (laughs) to do my degree, it was then I realised that I was one of the only females there I suddenly realized that there was like five females and a hundred males and it it was I don't know if you had the same experience as me but I was like oh I'm the only I'm where's the other women around here because when I was doing my a-levels I had a very mixed I I think it was probably about 50 50 because it was just an ICT a-level people that stayed on that sixth form seemed to have done it we liked the teacher so therefore we just kind of all done it really and yeah. there was a, a good mix so basically all of the girls that were stayed on at sixth form did ICT and then some of the guys did so in fact I'm saying it now I think there was more females than males in it so it wasn't until I did my degree so I wondered if that was your experience as well when you first stepped into your degree that you know I think you kind of are I'm answering it already because of what you said but did, is that when you kind of realized that actually there's a real gender imbalance here. Completely. Um, so even when I was at A-level, there was, I think there was two of us, two girls in the class of about 15. It wasn't huge. So never really thought about it. And my first day at Brunel going into that classroom, I was just like, am I in the right room? <laughs> it was just men in there. And we were, I think my cohort was about 250. It was a big cohort. Gosh, and yeah. there was about... I think it was 15 girls. Now I know the average for women in STEM degrees is about 18%, um, which is just incredibly low. And I know that there's a lot of places doing it higher and higher. And um, Dr. Sue Black at Durham University, that she really pushes for um, getting female, engaging before university and getting females into computing degrees. Um, but yeah it was it was quite overwhelming and I remember I've got quite a few stories but I remember once not feeling great and just going oh I don't want to go to um, class because I'm gonna have to put I don't really feel well enough to go and everyone knew my name but I might not have known theirs just because I was one of them and I remember group projects they decided to put a girl in every single group well 15 groups out of however many groups they could make um and split us all up but that didn't really help the situation because I found that in those meetings so you had to assign a project manager and then you signed the techies kind of 
to fix a problem. The girls were the project managers in every single one of those groups. And I don't think it's even a conscious decision for that to have happened, but it just seemed like, yeah, it's a completely subconscious decision there. Yeah, it's that kind of unconscious bias almost to put the female into the kind of less technical role. Yeah, completely. I definitely think I'm a bit of a fraud because yes, I did a degree in computing and yes, I've gone down the less technical role and I definitely never say that I'm technical at all. But I I definitely see what you mean that even in the roles that I do now in my career, I don't see that many women in technical roles either. No, I mean, at Whitbread, there's two females in the architecture department out of 15 or 16 and Mm. not because that's um you know people have chosen there to be more men I don't think there's many female architects around anyway because it's quite a normally because of a that five to ten year experience I think a lot of women do drop off or don't get there because of when they have children and everything I know that's a completely different topic than touching on education but it is really interesting to see where people where women choose to go because of and and maybe it's not a subconscious choice it's a they have they get pushed into a certain path yeah so I wish I had the um, stat to hand but I was reading something just kind of on one of the blogs that I read around how women tend to Um, go into a more technical role but because they don't have the management support they want to maybe go and start a family or it could be a number of things that and it mainly comes down to management support which I found really interesting that then they're Mm. just like well I'm not going to carry on with this anymore and then they don't carry on doing a technical role and it's and it comes down to that support and even bringing it back to education a bit like that educational piece as well like just because you finished doing all of your kind of formal education when you're in a role there's probably things that you want to do now for me being in service management I've literally done all the ITIL stuff but mm-hmm. I'm sure for technical roles as well there's loads of stuff to still crack on and do from programming to I'm sure there's um certificates that you need to do I'm completely spitballing at it almost yeah but... no there is there's TOGAF or Zachman framework for architecture and you know there's infosec um yeah. qualifications that I've got yeah and and finding that time out of work is really difficult um so you do I completely agree you need that manager's support to be honest it's mainly been male figures helping me and supporting me throughout the past I don't know even 10 years even back to school you know the head of ICT was male he pushed me very hard same with when I met the head of computer science um Rob McCready he's he's awesome he supported me the whole way through university and even now if I ever needed anything I could reach out to him and then even at, on the graduate scheme now it's it's been been really good I've got the CISO I've got my boss now they're very important and I think sometimes women want to find other women to help support them and I think that is very important But at the same time, it is that whole, if you want to be treated equally, you need to reach out to anyone who's willing to support you. I think that's really nice that you've shared that as well, that that almost your mentors have been male, but they've almost been your encourager, your challenger, you know, your cheerleader as well to, to help you progress to where you've got to as well. So I think that that's a really nice thing that you've said there, because 
I know a lot of things that I talk about and that you and I have talked about and things that I put on my social media and even with this podcast being Speak Female, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's all about women all the time because men can be a real big advocate to supporting women to, to get that equal balance and to progress in their career. So thank you so much for sharing that, actually. That's all right. I, I think it even goes back to something you and I were chatting about the other day. If I didn't have even my boyfriend who would who's completely happy and supportive with whatever I choose to go and do I think that would be really hard as well so it's you know it's male influences all, all round is so important or just not even removing the whole male and female just influences in general are just so important yeah I absolutely agree another thing that we were talking about was about starting educating people from a younger age to so going into schools and I know there's some things that I've done in previous jobs is go and do talks in schools and um, try and speak to younger generations about what technology always is, because I think there is a little bit of a um, stereotype of what an IT person looks like. Um, mm-hmm. An IT person just sits in a dark room and codes, it's in the basement, like, no, anyone that's listening <laughs> who's non-tech, you know, we don't sit in basements anymore, that's very um, IT crowd, that's very like <laughs> 80s, 90s, no, it's 2020 now, we're all working from home, so um, definitely not in basements, so um yeah I just kind of want to get from from your opinion really and just kind of cut going over the conversation that we really had the other day what do you think could be done within schools and maybe the way that education systems run to get more women excited about IT jobs in the future I think I think it's actually understanding what it means to work in IT because when someone says oh I work in technology I work in IT it's such a huge breadth of roles um it doesn't mean, and like you say, it's completely, you need to defy that stereotype. You need to just completely dispel it because programming is such a small part of what technology actually is. Um, so I I actually, like yourself, go back to schools and talk quite a lot. There's a really good couple of um, applications and, and partnerships that I work with. So there's Founders for Schools, there's one very big one, and ELSA as well that uses the founders for school platform and I work with them very closely to go just in my local area and again you need that management support from your work to make sure that you are able to go and speak to these kids and all the way up to sick form really just to actually say put a face to a to a job you know I'm I know I'm not the stereotypical person who works in IT even the other day someone goes you you're you're too normal to to be an architect (laughs) I was like thanks um I think it you know it goes back to different strengths are good you know that we shouldn't have just one type of person for every single job that's not how it works you need that diverse spectrum so just trying to portray that and not in a top-down approach to kids, I think it's really important. And I really like what companies like EasyJet have done, where they've, I think, I think it's guide badges. They've sponsored guide badges to try and get more women, well, more girls at an earlier age interested in aviation because there's such a huge um, gender gap in aviation as well. So I think it's really key to see work experience from company perspective but also individually you can think oh actually am I doing what 
could I be doing something myself to help change the stereotype and inspire people? Yeah, I really like that. I really like what, when you told me about the aviation badge for girl guides. Was that what, what it is? Something like that. I thought yeah. it was brilliant because actually let's let's get younger girls in, involved in STEM subjects and showing them and it's not just about tech really, is it? There's about sciences and mm-hmm. um, being a pilot. And I remember when we could fly and we could go away and do things. And um, I think it was last year, I can't remember where I was flying to. And then the, the pilot came on and it was a female. And I was like, yes, sitting in my chair, <laughs> yes, a female pilot. And my other half was like nudging me, being like, stop being such a feminist right this moment. I was a bit like, no, don't try and squish me. <laughs> I'm so happy. And, you know, and I think it's, you know, even with doctors and, you know, last, not last year, year before, um, a girlfriend of mine's son isn't very well. I mean, it was at hospital and there was this um, female doctor who basically is making such a difference to all these children, li- all these children's lives. And I just remember saying to her, like, I just want to say thank you so much for all the work you do and go girlfriend for like, because <laughs> there was like loads of male doctors. And then she came out and she spoke to my friend and she looked at me as if I was a weirdo. But I just thought I want to say that because I'm so pleased. I'm seeing more and more females now stepping up into these roles and you're one of them and I said this to you when when we spoke that I can so see you being like a CIO before you're 30 <laughs> or by the time that you're 30 so you know I think that you're doing in- incredible work um what I want to do is just to end our podcast really is if there's anybody that is interested in doing maybe transitioning a career in tech or wanting to know more about it one can you give um some suggestions of places to look and then also, if you're happy to, to give out your like contact details if people want to message you. Yeah, no, that's no problem at all. Um, all my social media is open. So if people want to reach out to me, that's absolutely fine. And um, yeah, I think the main resource is actually understanding where you see yourself in technology. So for an example, my boyfriend who's been hit heavily because of COVID, um, as he was trained to be a pilot he's been doing a lot of the Myers-Briggs and the other insights um, just to understand what kind of skill set he has and then they it actually suggests what jobs would be really good to look into so I definitely would recommend that and then I would also look into Code Academy it's you can do free or you can do paid resources but um, that's really useful actually we use that even at university and I, I think that's a really um, kind of a hidden gem in technology uh, that and and look on U- Udemy I think just be proactive reach out to people on LinkedIn reach out to us I'm sure we uh, we can help and uh, I think you know people in technology they're not the uh, closed off people that you think they they do want to chat and they want to help and and everything so yeah just don't be don't be shy I would say absolutely don't be shy and I think I'll leave it on that note so Tasha thank you so much for joining me on Speak Female it's been so lovely to speak to you and thank you for sharing all of your experience and your stories and I can't wait to have you back on here again next season to see how how far you've got to so thank you so much and we'll speak to you soon thank you for joining us today on Speak Female I've been joined by Tasha Morrison where we have talked about women in tech education journeys, graduate schemes, and building your all-important network. If you would like to connect with Tasha, you can find her LinkedIn profile in the show notes. 
I've been your host, Lucy Grimwade. This podcast has been edited by Natalia Holly. And remember, ambition isn't a dirty word.